0: So we've got all kinds of opportunities for you still, um, and that one is a huge one this year. So in in sincerity, if you have opportunity and and God lays it on your heart to participate in that, that would be a huge encouragement for those young people, for those teachers. Um, (laughs) When they said, you have no idea, we have no idea what this year holds, they're not joking. Um, I know you all feel that as well, so um, just hang on for dear life, right? kind of how we do it. Um, The beautiful thing is we don't know what uh, is coming tomorrow. We know that God does, and we know that we're going to be just fine. We can live in complete confidence because the tomb's still empty. So COVID didn't fill the tomb. So we're okay, right? All right, First Peter, 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 chapter two. I am trying to get lots of energy. Can you tell? I get to talk about probably the most unpopular topic I could imagine this morning. Um. I could probably come up with a few other ones, I guess. Never mind. This one's pretty unpopular, so can't wait. Um, but my, my um, <laughs> the first thing I want to tell you is this. Just remember, I'm the guy who's delivering the mail. Okay, I didn't write this. God did, and he'll stand behind it. Um, and I will share with you what God's Word says, and we'll go from there. <laughs> um, so I think we could all agree That both now and in the past, and we would assume in the future, that there are going to be a number of people who hold positions of political authority who are hard to respect. I think you could agree with that, right? I mean, don't say names out loud. That would be embarrassing. But I'm sure there are people who come to mind already, whether current, past, or you fear perhaps the future. You're like, I would have a difficult time respecting that person. I think we could all also say that there are a number of people in that same category of political authority who not only are difficult to respect, but we would actually find them cringeworthy. True? Okay, still no names. I appreciate that. Very kind of you. This morning, we get to talk about the answer to this question, what is the Christian's response to be to those who are in positions of political authority over us who do not deserve our respect? I'm so thankful for this passage and that we had the opportunity to walk through this together. Um, I, I think it's important contextually that you remember what's happening in Peter's life and surroundings before we even look at the text, okay? So contextually speaking... Peter and the believers he is writing to uh, are living in a time where there is no respect and total unworthiness of those who would be considered their political authorities. He mentions in the passage that we're going to look at today both emperors and governors. If you remember who the emperor is during the time Peter is writing, we've talked about this before, but it's good to be reminded. This is this is fellow named Nero. Nero, a guy who, who, who died in his early 30s and is still considered to have been one of the most violent, tyrannical, uh, damaging emperors in all of history, and he wasn't even in power for that long. Uh, Nero um, was known to be, okay, okay, let me be honest, okay, I'll say it like this, okay. Nero was kind of more like a freshman at college than he was an emperor, and all the freshmen in college are like, mom and dad, whatever he's about to say that is not true about me, I promise completely neglecting what is necessary and important and instead finding the next party. That was the way Nero led. He didn't um, deal with any of the civic issues. He didn't deal with any of the necessary political issues. He he left that to other people. Instead, he focused on entertainment. He focused on parties. He focused on new ways to throw a, a bigger party. And, and, and that was kind of his his mode of operation at the beginning of his reign. And then Somewhere after that, evidently, his mom found out about his parties because he decided she was a problem and he had her poisoned. Nice guy, right? He, he was one of those guys <laughs> who thought he was a great musician. Think the old American Idol where they used to let people audition who are terrible. Right? They, they thought, he thought he was, and nobody was going to tell him otherwise, but he thought he was a great musician. There's a, um, a, <laughs> a historian named Suetonius who tells us um, that uh, Nero used to gather all the members of his court into the same room and he would break out his violin. And you could almost feel everybody in his court be like, oh, here we go. And he would start to play. And not only was it not good, it was long. And he would play for so long, Suetonius says, that women who were in the presence of his playing after a period of time would fake going into labor to be able to leave. I've seen some excuses for getting out of church, but never one of those. So Um, as his reign continued, it got to the place where he found torturing and tormenting Christians to be entertaining. And that's the culture that Peter is writing into, the culture that has the emperor like Nero, the culture that has the governors, uh, one of them you've heard of for sure, Pontius Pilate, the man who sentenced Jesus to death. Another governor of the time was Felix, who was um, notorious kind of having his uh, interactions and pestering Paul throughout Paul's ministry. And so what Peter is writing to these people about their response to unjust and unworthy political leadership is written into that context. And the Christians have a decision to make. Either unite together and rebel against the political leadership, which was common in these days. Or they could withdraw and shrink back into the shadows and hide themselves in order to protect themselves. When Peter says, no, I'm going to tell you what the Christian response to an unjust political ruler is. I'm going to tell you what the Christian's response to a, a ruler, a political authority that you disagree with or you don't respect. I'm going to lay it out for you. And Peter's about to answer it right here. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. And I'm going to tell you you're not going to like it very much because you're an American. We'll talk about that in just a second. Here he goes. 1 Peter 2.13. Submit. I could stop there, right? <laughs> Submit to every human authority for the Lord's sake, whether to the emperor as supreme or to governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Submit as free people. Not your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. Honor everyone. Love the brothers and sisters. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Submit! That's a favorite word for us, isn't it? Submit, it means to place under, to line up behind or underneath. It's a military term to fall into rank, to get in line. Here's a picture for you. When I was in elementary school, our teacher had a whistle. We would go out to recess. And when we were at recess doing whatever we wanted to do, as soon as the teacher blew that whistle, it didn't matter what we were doing, what we were planning on doing, or what we wanted to do. We needed to drop everything and get into line. That's what the word submit means. God has blown the whistle. Line up. And when you hear that, it goes against almost everything inside of us. It just grates on us. It feels like like somebody's telling you to put your pants on backwards. Okay, you could do it, but it's gonna be very uncomfortable. Don't ask me how I know that. I just assume. It goes against our nature. Why? There's a number of reasons. One, you are the sons and daughters of Adam, the original rebel. So inside of you is that seed of rebellion, that nature of sin. And when that seed of rebellion, that nature of sin takes root and grows and grows and grows, the outworking is rebellion. It's in your nature to rebel. Another reason is, you're American. It is in your DNA to rebel. How do I know that? Do we have any British among us? They got to experience it firsthand. It's in our very makeup as Americans. We're also, culturally speaking, beyond this period of time in the 1960s. In the 1960s, the rebellion became external. It was internal leading up to that point. Don't let anybody fool you. Okay, that's the reason it became so external at that moment. But in the 1960s, as the rebellion became external, rebellion was, was um, now looked at as a virtue. Submission to authority was not so popular, but to rebel, man, that, that made you something. Another reason um, is pride. Pride. When we are told to submit to somebody else, that means that we are willingly going to align ourselves underneath them and so their ideas go, their call goes, their leadership goes, and we're going to support that. That's what the idea of submission is. And when we hear that, we're like, well, wait, no. Every student knows how a teacher should teach. Every employee knows what the boss should do to be a better boss and, and make the company be better. Every voter knows how to heal the evils and sickness of the culture if the politicians would just do what I said. We really think we're something. And so our pride wells up with us when we're told to submit. The the other one is is this. There's a value that we have as Americans um, that I cherish and I love, but I think it actually feeds a culture that struggles with authority. And that value is the freedom of speech. And please don't hear me. I'm not preaching against the freedom of speech, okay? I just want to point out the fact that the freedom of speech really does lead to the place or allows for the discussion of anti-authority ideas. You want proof? Listen to talk radio. The collective wisdom of every Tom, Dick, and Harry in the area comes onto that program and says, I can tell you what's wrong with him. He's, Right? And, and I don't think you understand, and let me, this is actually talking about the gift of freedom of speech. I don't think you understand how unique the freedom of speech is. Um, it, when you travel, you get a little bit better of an understanding that not everybody has that. I was in China in 2005, 2006 with a group of teenagers and, uh, and a number of their leaders, and we had been meeting in my hotel room in China um, with the leaders, <laughs> and we were having this conversation just about the trip, about the kids, about the fears of the parents. Um, which obviously parents had a few fears about that, talked about the government officials in the area, how they were suppressing Christianity, how there was potential for us to go visit a house church. I mean, we've been talking about all these things, and then suddenly the conversation turned to how the, uh, the government uh, denied Tiananmen Square. I mean, it got, it got like we, I mean, you want to talk about collective wisdom within one hotel room. We had it all figured out. And the next morning, when we returned from our trip, we went into our hotel rooms, and every single one of us had a brand new alarm clock. And as we spoke to our contact there, he said, I, Rest assured, they're listening to you. And now they're listening to every single one of you because they don't enjoy the freedom of speech. Like we do. So again, I'm not decrying it. I'm not saying that it needs to go away. I'm just saying that that freedom of speech feeds a culture that struggles with authority. So for all of us, as, as that idea of submitting to the political authorities who have been put above us, even if we disagree with them, even if they're unworthy of our respect, to respect them, to honor them, to, to submit to them, no matter how it rubs against you, no matter what the reason it rubs against you, you are commanded, instructed, and called to submit to every human authority. Here's a Greek lesson for you. Look at verse 13. Submit to every human authority. The Greek word there, every, means every. There's no outs. Every human authority. Even that one. But you don't... No, 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 no. So listen. This text is not about civil disobedience. Not even referenced. It's not even inferred here. It's absolutely silent on it. This text is about the exact opposite of civil disobedience. It is simply about civil obedience. There's a radical view that Peter is painting for his people. There's a radical calling that God has placed on every single one of your lives today, and it's this, civil obedience. that's just not as attractive as civil disobedience. I mean, honestly, if if I'm just civilly obedient my entire life, nobody throws me a parade. But if I'm civilly disobedient, I can get some attention. And Peter says, no, no, the more radical call to life, the normative life pattern of the believer is to be civilly obedient. So get rid of your little lawyer right now. You know who I'm talking about? I'm not talking about if you're married to a lawyer. I don't mean him, okay? Get rid of your little, little, you know the angels and demons that show up on your shoulder? I always picture the little lawyer is like, bing! But what about? Okay, just flick him, get rid of him, okay? Gone. No little lawyer. Hear God's command for you from his word today. Submit to every human authority. When Peter talks about a human authority... He, uh, some of your versions may have human institution. It is an institution that is established by humanity. So, so please understand, apart from the Old Testament era nation of Israel that received their constitution out of the mouth of God, there is no, thus says the Lord, about how any particular nation should govern or guide itself. Okay? There is no biblical political system we can point to as universally binding based on the word of God. Um, so you can look around, you see all kinds of political institutions. You go to Great Britain and you see uh, the limited monarchy with the parliamentary democracy. And the parliamentary democracy is my favorite thing to watch on C-SPAN, which there's something I never thought I would say, my favorite thing to watch on C-SPAN. Um, but if you ever get to watch the British parliament and their arguments, I- I'd like to get in on that. That could be a lot of fun. But So that's one form of government. You've got uh, our government, we are a republic. We are a republic. Then you, you go and look around, you've got um, uh, single-party systems, you have uh, absolute monarchies, you've got all kinds of, of different other views and all that good stuff. I believe and am persuaded fully that democracy is the best, I, uh, and I hope you are too. But the fact remains that there is no biblical, political um, polity. There is no biblical, political situation where, where the Bible says this is the way it must happen. This is the form of government each country must have. Because every form of government is just a human institution. Now, this is where the devil's advocate comes from the other side and says, well, if it's just a human institution, then I don't need to worry about it. And Peter says, no. That doesn't change the way you respond. Submit to every human institution. He tells us in verse 16 to submit as free people, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. You are to submit um, your your freedom to serve those people that God has placed over you. So we talk about this in here all the time. If you are a Christian, you're free. You're you're free from a, a number of things. You've been set free from the burdens of the Old Testament civil and ceremonial law. You have been set free from the dominion and power of sin. You have been set free from the tyranny and the domination of of Satan himself. You've been set free from the condemning wrath of God. If you're a Christian, you are free. Christ has died for you. He was bound and chained and beaten and killed for you. And in so doing, he has set you free from the law of sin and from death. And, And now, if Christ has set you free, you are truly free free from any condemnation, free from spiritual bondage, free from guilt, free from the fear of death. There are no people so free as those who have put their trust in Jesus Christ. And in being freed from all those things, you've also been freed from calling this disaster of a world we live in home. Because it ain't home. You're strangers, you're aliens, This is you're just temporary residents who are passing through. So what you are supposed to do, use your freedom not as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. Use your freedom to serve other people as living servants, as those who are holy as he is holy. And if you remember that picture, it's, it's, it's God, I'm giving you everything I have. There is nothing I'm holding back. I'm yielding everything. I'm placing it in your hands. I own nothing that isn't yours. My entire life is dedicated to making much of you. That's what it means to be holy, separated, set apart, different than everybody around you. And that's what he has called us to be, a holy people who are serving other people with our freedom. What does that look like day in and day out? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> it says it in verse 17, honor everyone. Love the brothers and sisters, fear God, honor the emperor. This is what way I want you to use your freedom. I want you to look at everyone, and I mean it, everyone. And I want you to honor them, set a price on them, consider them as valuable. See, so You're supposed to look at everyone and consider them valuable. All people deserve respect because they've been created in God's image. So we are called to honor people who don't look like us, sound like us, act like us, or think like us. Our responsibility is to honor them. And we don't honor them because we're going to get something from them. We honor them because they are created in the image of God. And let me tell you this right now. This is as, as plain as the nose on anybody's face. The people we have the biggest problem honoring are the people who disagree with us. So back, I just used this recently, but um, you get really confused when you do a couple of services. I feel like I've said this already. So if I said this already, just everybody wave at me or pretend you're in labor and then I'll just close it out. Okay. um, So so back 10, 15, 20 years ago, you had this continuum and you had extreme beliefs over here and extreme beliefs over here. But in reality, 80% of the people lived and existed here in the middle, But in the last 10 or 20 years, that middle has evaporated and everybody's moved to the edges. And so you have extreme beliefs over here and extreme beliefs over here. And now now there's no um, uh, mechanism for conversation. Instead, there is just throwing, launching grenades at each other. And, And now it is, if you don't agree with me, if you disagree with my worldview, if you disagree with my lifestyle choices if you disagree with my voting patterns, if you disagree with my feelings, then you're my enemy. My enemy. Unfortunately, that happens in the church. And not church against church. Church against world. So what we have done So we have changed our view of a lost world who is headed to hell. Now instead of viewing them as those who are in need of a savior, they're our enemy. And what Peter says is stop. Stop it. They're talking badly about you because you are behaving badly. You are to honor everyone. That doesn't mean you shrink back from your convictions. It doesn't mean you accommodate people so they don't take offense. But it doesn't mean you fail to honor those who reject your point of view. You speak respectfully about everyone. You listen to everyone so you can engage in conversation. You respect those authorities who are over you. In the offices, as established by previous generations, you respect and honor those positions regardless of you like their policies or personalities. Honor everyone. And then he says, love the brothers or sisters. Love the love the brothers and sisters. Love love those people who are in your church. Love those people. It's a whole different relationship. It's not just honoring them and being like, okay, you're created in God's image. I'm going to extend you grace and benefit of the doubt. He says, no, I want you to love the brothers and sisters, an active concern for the well-being of those who are in your church. It is a different kind of relationship, folks. And I think the reason Peter is saying that is this is hard. You're going to need each other. Be looking out for the well-being of those people who are in your church who are struggling with this. Have an active concern for the well-being of those people in your church, the brothers and sisters in Christ. And then he says, fear God. Fear God. So it's not just honor. It's not just love. Now it's fear God. God is the the height, the highest, the the most important relationship in all of these you fear God. God, that means fear means exactly what you think it means. I used to define it. Oops, I just stepped on somebody's microphone. If that doesn't work later. That's my fault. Um, I used to describe it and explain it as the balance between awe and terror. But, but it's not balance, because balance means you have to take some off in order to get it to come back, right? It's the equal coexistence of both awe and terror, how you view God. To not have awe or terror is to not know who God is. And then Peter does this thing. He goes circled way back and says, "Don't just honor everybody. Love the brothers and sisters and fear God. I want you to honor the emperor. Honor the emperor. It does two things. First of all, it puts the emperor in his rightful place. You fear God. You don't fear the emperor. You honor the emperor. And then you honor the emperor just like you would honor everybody else because he is just like you. But that position is worthy of honoring. Why are we supposed to do this? Why are we supposed to use our freedom to serve these people? Romans chapter 13 tells us why. Let everyone submit to the governing authorities since there is no authority except from God. That person is in that seat of authority because God has placed him there. The authorities that exist are instituted by God. So then, the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command Those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. You you, you do know that when Paul speaks of that, and Peter speaks of that, he doesn't say if their policies are different than you, then you need to submit to them. He says, church, your responsibility to a watching world is to submit to the authorities who have been placed over you. Why? Because God himself has allowed them to be placed over you. Does God know what he's doing? You all said yes earlier in the message. What happens if the guy that you want to be in office in November doesn't get to be in office in November? Oh, no. God must have fallen asleep at the wheel. Does God know what he's doing? So you submit to every human authority because you, and by doing so, you are actually submitting to God's plan. You submit to every human authority for the very good of God's reputation you, so you can show him honor and, and respect and praise and glory and wonder at submitting to someone who is difficult to submit to. He's the one that gets the praise. He's the one that gets the glory. And when you do that, he says, by doing good, by submitting to those ones who are difficult to submit to, by doing good, you put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. You put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Let me be clear. You do not put to silence the ignorance of foolish people by having a great counter-argument. You don't put to silence the foolish of ignorant people by having a great burn on Facebook. You put to silence the foolishness of ignorant people or ignorance of foolish people, same thing, right? By doing good. By living uprightly. By living without reproach, having no reason or cause to be accused by outsiders. And he says, when you do that, he says, you quiet them, you silent them. And that's a really strong word. The word is actually you muzzle them. You gag them. Throughout this letter, Peter is showing a huge concern for how the world is looking at the church. Unfortunately, I think our default mechanism has been, forget the world. And I think our effectiveness at evangelism has proven that. What Peter is saying is one of the most effective evangelistic tools that we own is by being the best citizens we can be. Yeah, use the, like Paul did, use the citizenship that has been given to you to bring about change. Sure, enjoy the rights that you have, but just because you have a right does not mean you get to rub it in somebody else's face. We're told, Romans 14, that love limits liberty. Liberty. And unfortunately, we like to rub our liberty in the faces of everybody around us. Peter says, the world is watching you. They slander you. They're talking against you. What you need to do, he told us last week, conduct yourselves honorably among them. And this time, he says, I want you to submit as free people. Use your freedom, not as a cover-up for evil. Use your freedom as you serve God. He says, I want you to to do good, and when you do good, you will silence those evildoers. You will silence those foolish people. You will silence those ignorant people. He wants your good works to be on display in such a way that those who have been saying the Christians are bigots, they're narrow-minded, they're hateful people, they're my enemy, that their mouths are stopped. Stopped. in a day and age where the political charge is exponentially beyond anything we've ever seen, Christian, your job is to submit to every human authority. And that's not easy. It goes against our pre-programming, it goes against our flesh, it goes against our sin nature. So what I want to do is I want to take a moment or two here to allow us to ask for help, partially because I believe that if we get this one wrong in the next four months, the watching world is going to have more bullets in their chamber. Um, I'll shoot straight, which is kind of a weird thing to say after bullets in the chamber. (laughs) I can't help you, because I struggle here, a lot. Um, I try quietly with this one, because I've seen the damage that this has done in places I've been before Uniontown. So I need more help than most. Um, so I'd ask that you pray for me too pray for each other pray that the watching world would not see a group of political activists that meet on the top of a hill but they would see a people whose light shines so brightly they can't help but glorify our father which is in heaven let's pray that God does that in our hearts even this week Let's pray for a few moments together. You give hope you restore pray you would help us to be a good citizen of this country, a good citizen of your kingdom. Your goodness to us, your loving kindness towards us, your grace toward us is evident daily as we, we get to enjoy so many good gifts from you, and that includes our government. Lord, I pray you would give us the ability to submit, the strength to submit, the willingness to trust you more than we trust any other person. God, help us to love our neighbors. Help us to have servants' hearts. But help us to speak with honor and respect to the people who are over us out of the fear of God and for your sake. God, please, may we do it for your glory and none other. May we remember that we're doing it for a watching world who needs Jesus, that they might praise your name. We ask this in his good name. Amen. Amen. I want to close this morning uh, before I release Patrick. There he is, yeah, the, the bandanaed man to release you. Um, I just want to close with these two verses and, and ask that you just mull these over as you go this morning. Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, it says this, For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters, but don't use that freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Instead, serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. This week, may we be committed to loving others in such a way that they see the light that comes from us, and it's not ours, but the light of the gospel as it shines out from our lives. I'll be praying that this week you have opportunity to point them to the source of your light so that they might glorify God who's in heaven. I love you guys. Thanks for being here this morning. Thanks for enduring. Next week, I'm going to make fun of bosses, so make sure you come. All right, you guys have a great week.